city councilors voted to make seven additional bike lanes a permanent feature in the city. We're joined now by city councilor Brad Bradford. Brad, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kelly. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So were you one of the councilors that voted in favor of these seven additional permanent bike lanes? I certainly was. And, and in fact, I think we were about uh, 20, 24 to 2 on that vote. So, so most of us were there on this one. You feel like outing the two? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, no, I think it's I think it's on there for everyone to see. Probably Councillor Holiday and Councillor Ford, uh, and and they would they would be happy to uh, to take credit for those dissenting votes. I'm sure. Okay, so these permanent bike lanes, where exactly are they? Well, they're, they're the bike lanes that folks have seen across the city uh, over the past 20 months or so. So that's Bloor Street uh, between Avenue Road and Sherbourne. Uh, you've got Danforth Avenue, my part of town, from Broadview uh, all the way out to Dawes. You've got the Dundas Street East uh, Extension, University Avenue, which probably a lot of folks downtown are familiar with, uh, Huntingwood Drive out in Scarborough, Bayview, and Wilmington. And taken together in their collective, that's about 65 kilometers of new, safer streets for everybody to enjoy. Active TO apparently has some grand plans. You're looking at 100 kilometers of uh, bike paths in three years. So you're getting there slowly but surely. Yeah, I mean, it's been a challenge and it's been, uh, you know, it's really been an evolution in the city of Toronto. If you go back sort of over the past decade, I think these conversations were much more divisive. They were much more challenging. Um, but, you know, our city is evolving and certainly the pandemic has highlighted that over the past 20 months. Uh, folks are hanging out in the neighborhoods. Many more of our trips are hyper local. We're supporting local businesses and active TO in combination with the patios and all the supports that we had in place for businesses are really adding to the vibrancy of our main streets in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I think for the most part, folks are really excited about that. Okay. I also think for the most part, there are people that would call you on what you just said, because you're introducing these pilots during a pandemic. It's hardly representative of normal times. You know, Bay, Bay Street's not even back yet. Traffic's not at normal levels. You know, you say people are hanging around in neighborhoods. That's true because a lot of people are working remotely. But I'm just curious because I'm sure that there are people right now that are thinking to themselves, you've got to be kidding. When I get back to the city for work, it is going to be hell driving downtown. How do you rationalize taking data during a pilot, which was in the middle of a pandemic, and using it to make permanent changes to a road? Well, it's important to note that, you know, yes, we're monitoring the data during the pandemic, but we're also comparing and contrasting that with data and traffic volumes before the pandemic. And what we have seen is that, you know, cycling levels are certainly up. In some instances, we've seen cycling rates increase over uh, 200%, so massive, massive increases. Um, but we're, we're also taking a look at the traffic volumes. And even right now, as probably a lot of folks who are driving in their cars and, and listening to us on the radio uh, have noticed, those traffic volumes and levels have returned in many parts of the city. So I'm not suggesting that it's business as usual, but I'm saying that those traffic volumes are coming back. We've been monitoring that. We've been adjusting the, the signal timing and, and some of the intersections to account for that. And, and again, we're talking about our right of way. We're talking about our city streets, which is important to remember. That is the largest network of public space that we actually have in the city of Toronto. Everybody, of course, focuses on our parks, 
But, you know, the, the streets are really the largest network of public space. And I think this has shown us what we can do when we reconsider the purpose of our street. It's not just about moving single occupancy vehicles as quickly as possible. It's about making it safer for our seniors, making it safer for families, for kids, and, you know, doing things that enhance the vibrancy of our main streets. The idea that you're going to get across Toronto, uh, you know, in 15 minutes, uh, I think that as a city that's as large as us, we're the fourth biggest city in North America now. Yeah, but nobody thought you're going to get across Toronto in 15 well, minutes. Well, I, I think there was a Please. time. Uh, I think there well, was a when? Time when in 1910. Well, probably before my time for sure. It's uh, well before my time as well. It's never been 15, ever been 15 minutes. So, but that's changing, right? And and I think that uh, you know, generally, uh, traffic is always super frustrating. And whenever you're in your car, uh, whenever you're in traffic, you got somewhere to go. So mm-hmm. nobody's dismissing that. But the idea is giving people options is what's really yeah. important. And some people are going to take transit. We're obviously doing historic transit expansion, which is also contributing to congestion. Uh, but some people are going to walk, some people are going to cycle, and some people are going to drive. And it's about rebalancing those needs across our city so that we can accommodate the growth that's coming here to Toronto because we are still a magnet for investment. We are still a magnet for growth. And we can't just move people around by having everybody driving in a single occupancy vehicle. Right. And listen, uh, full disclosure, I have, I'm all three. I love to walk the city. I also... Um, bike the city quite frequently and I am a driver. And, and what that's, I, the same, that's the same in our household as well. Right. So I, you know, I understand that the city wants to make uh, cycling safe. In some cases, I don't feel so safe on those, in those bike lanes. So what are you doing to make them even safer? Well, that's a good point. Uh, again, when you roll things out at speed, pandemic speed, let's call it, in the, in the way that these bike lanes and patios have have come across the city, uh, it's not always perfect. Uh, the idea is not to let you know perfection be the enemy of good. And so with a piloted approach, we've taken the past 20 months to sort of take the feedback of all road users, and that includes drivers and cyclists and pedestrians, everybody who's out there, and, and make some changes to that. So in some instances, you know, we will pull back parking so you have better sight lines. In other instances, we're adding more protection, physical separation barriers. In other instances, you know, as we're going through intersections, we're putting down green paint just to make everybody aware uh, that there are different road users going through that space. It's it's really about putting it on the ground, taking a look, taking that feedback, and making changes as we go. I think for a long time, bureaucracy has been really focused on, you got to cross the T's, dot the I's, make sure everything's perfect before you proceed. But COVID and the pandemic has challenged us on all of these different fronts to, to make change, to respond to the challenges that are facing us and, and do it at speed. And so, you know, it hasn't been perfect, but I think it's been pretty good. And, uh, you know, we're taking that feedback from community members and all road users to make these things work even better. Okay, there's a couple of things I want to ask you about, because as you know, I'm a cyclist, and I'm also a driver. So if we uh, talk about driving and safety for cyclists, I got to be honest with you, this is going to sound really weird when I say it, because I know I was going to my agents, who is up at Elm Street, and I was driving along Richmond, going to make a right at um, university to go up university. And it was the first time that I had driven to my agents in a while. And it was like, it must, it was pre-pandemic, but obviously we've got bike lanes there. Right. Now I, I went to hang a right. It took me forever to go right 
off of Richmond. Now, Richmond is one of those streets that's supposed to keep things moving east-west. We don't have a lot of those corridors. Why is it that we're putting these bike lanes on the major arteries where cars can actually move uh, swiftly through the city where you're not going to deal with driver frustration? Because we know that when people get frustrated, they make moves that could be unsafe for themselves and others. And I swear to God, I couldn't make a right-hand turn. And so it gets very dangerous with rights and lefts now uh, for not only the cyclist, but for the driver, because nobody wants to hit a cyclist. I don't want to be hit on a bike. I don't want to hit anybody on a bike. Are we considering, I guess this is a two-part question, having some sort of light on the for cyclists so that they have to stop and people can make right-hand turns? Well, it's an interesting idea, and we actually have installed uh, cycling, cycling signals at specific intersections to sort of really ad- address that concern that you're talking about, Kelly. Uh, definitely, we all get into trouble when it's unclear who has the right of way, where the demarcated space is for our different uh, pedestrian cyclists or drivers. That's whenever there's confusion, that's where we have problems. So it is, uh, it's on the city, it's on all of us to do our best to make sure that's crystal clear for people who are using our roads. Uh, you know, and how are you doing that? Well, so for example, if, if folks are familiar with Danforth uh, and the exit to the DVP, I'm sure a lot of people are by Broadview. We just a few months back installed a cyclist signal there. So it's a traffic light specifically for bikes because you have that situation of, of cyclists who are trying to go move through the intersection and vehicles that are merging right across the bike lane to get on the DVP. Uh, I know this is getting technical, but now we have a signal there that... What? Wait a minute. Yeah, You're putting... Why would you do that? So Why would you? Exactly. Like, I'm not the only one that's thinking that. I actually am following along. I did not know that existed. Why, if somebody's getting onto the DVP, would you have a bike go cross in front of them? That to well, me sounds like you're just getting ready for an accident to happen. Well, no, it's it's actually a lot safer than what was there before, which was a, a lane that was shared between bikes and cars and everybody's merging. You have aye, traffic aye, aye. merging to the left, merging to the right. So this is actually much safer. Uh, I ride it every day and I rode it before okay. every day and I can tell you this is a lot better. But to your point, Kelly, we now yeah. have a, a light there. Uh, it's a light okay. specific for bikes. And so that makes it really clear for the cars when they are turning right to get onto the DVP. It makes it really clear for the cyclists when they need to stop, put the foot down, wait for the vehicle traffic. And again, it's just about providing that crystal clarity for all mm-hmm. road users, whether you're a driver, a pedestrian, or a cyclist, uh, so that we don't have the incidents that you're talking about. So will we do this everywhere? Well, I think it's it's definitely on a case-by-case basis, and that's what we, we ought to be doing. Uh, I think we've run into trouble when we've taken sort of a off-the-shelf blanketed design for some of these things. You talk about so, how come some of the bike lanes don't feel as comfortable or as safe as others. That's when we're taking an off-the-shelf design. It really requires us to get in there, go intersection by intersection, block by block, and come up with a design that works for everybody. And, and that means taking into accessibility requirements. That means taking into consideration about loading for our businesses, ingress, egress, how you get out of a site, and of course, how you demarcate the space. So I think, you know, I'm happy to flag that one for staff for you yeah. uh, at Richmond. Well, University. no, I mean, look, at, I'm not making this about me. I'm just, it, no. I, it, that's just an incident that I can actually speak I, to I where it took so long and then you've got a crazy amount of, of, of congestion happening behind you because you can't safely turn. And I think then I just worry about people becoming hotheads on the roads. No, and it, it, that happens because they're frustrated. 
You're right. People, you know, like I said, when you're when you're in the vehicle, whenever you're out doing a trip, whether that's on transit or by bike or in your car, you got somewhere to go. That's why you're out mm-hmm. on the move. And so, you know, time is of the essence and people get frustrated. We want to make sure that everybody can get where they're going safely. That is our okay. top priority. And my priority as well. I don't want to hear any, I don't want to hear reports about a cyclist being hit and knowing that, you know, it's terrible the cyclist's been hit, but it's also equally terrible that there's a driver that's thinking, oh my gosh, I hit someone. That's just a nightmare situation in both, uh, if you're in, you know, both, on both vehicles. Now, yeah. let me just ask you, because I have to rush off here. Have you at all considered taking the bike lanes off the major streets and putting them on parallel streets? This is what Vancouver did very well, and they're so far ahead of us. What we're doing in Toronto is building a cycling network. And just like we have a a network of streets and roads as it exists today, the idea is to give people north, south, east, west access in, you know, in a lot of different ways. It's not about, oh, here's the one route that you drive north in the city. You know, folks drive north in the city on on all the streets. And so the mm-hmm. same thing comes with a cycling uh, cycling network. We need to build a grid across the city because that's what's going to make it safer for all road users. We need to provide options for people to get around to all the different neighborhoods across the 640 square kilometers of this big, great, fantastic city. And we need to make sure that we do it safely. So yes, there are routes that are identified as cycling priority routes. Uh, they're identified in our network plan and as part of the expansion when we go 2022 to 2024. Those have been done, you know, in consultation with with communities, in consultation with staff. They study it. They look at what makes sense. But fundamentally, you know, our streets are changing. And so that we can accommodate all road users, make sure everybody's safe and uh, and provide them options to get around the city, uh, north, south, east, west, uh, all over the place. That's what we have to do. City Councillor Brad Bradford, 